When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings, as well. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN when you do so. Oilers, of course, coming off their big 4-3 win over the Calgary Flames. It wasn't the ideal start going down 3-0, but they bounced back strong with four straight goals to pick up the win in preseason. Now only two more games left in the preseason, both against the Vancouver Canucks, both 7 o'clock starts Thursday and Saturday. It's a home-and-home series, and good news for a lot of us, these games will be actually on television. You don't have to do the stream anymore on the website or YouTube or anything like that. These games will be televised, so uh, good things coming for the Edmonton Oilers. Regular season will be here in no time, and Speaking of great things, we've got a great show coming up for you today. We're going to talk about the Oilers and everything going on with them with Zach Lang of Oilers Nation and DFO Hockey. We're also going to talk to Ryan Carrillo. He's a local sculptor, and he created the Joey Moss tribute statue that the Oilers have in their room. It's absolutely awesome. It looks so cool. Such a good idea for a, you know, an absolute loss of an icon in our city. And the Edmonton Oilers did a very good job with the tributes and Ryan Carrillo absolutely nailed this sculpture. So we're going to talk to Ryan Carrillo later on in the show. Check out his website, ryancarillo.com. That's R-Y-A-N-K-U-R-Y-L-O.com. He's got some awesome work and, you know, we'll just go behind the scenes. How did he find out he was going to be doing this? How long did it take? And how much pressure was there to make this the best he possibly could? Just knowing how important Joey Moss is to the City of Edmonton. But like I said, Zach Lang, we're going to get to him first. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers, like I said, coming off the big 4 3 victory over the Calgary Flames on a Monday night. We'll get his thoughts on that and a whole lot more as the Oilers prepare for the 2021 2022 NHL season. You can give him a follow on Twitter at ZJ Lang. Zach, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Well, glad to have you on. Of course, uh, only two games remaining in the Oilers preseason, and then the the real thing gets going. Uh, that cannot come soon enough for me. But I'm I'm glad at least we're going to start to get the uh, the games broadcasted on television because I don't know about you, but the, the stream it's been good. But I, I need it on real television before I can really fully get into it and embrace it. Yeah, I kind of agree with you too. I I, th- I thought the streams thing has been kind of weird. Um, throughout the preseason here. It would have been really nice to have these games on TV, but, you know, what can you do, I guess, right? Uh, 
Uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, it's more of an issue of the preseason. It's actually just too long than anything else. So I, until they abolish the preseason, then uh, I guess we'll have to deal with some online streams. Well, but, I mean, before we get to the Oilers and more about that, we saw the NFL cut back. Obviously, they're adding a regular season game, but went down to three preseason games. If you had to put, like, a, a finger on the exact number you'd like to see when it comes to preseason games, is there one for you? Yeah, just give me, like, three or four games. Um, I really don't think it needs to be any more complicated than that. You know, give a, give a chance for some guys to kind of get their legs underneath them and, and kind of go from there, right? You know, even with the Oilers, you look at the first four or five games of the preseason, really, it, it was guys that have all been already sent down to the minors, right? So, yeah. you know, those aren't the guys that are going to be playing at Edmonton this season. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you need to try and get your NHL team as ready as you can. And I think with the way the preseason is structured, it makes it a little bit more difficult, especially in those early stages. Now, uh, one of the stories that came out today, uh, Connor McDavid named to Team Canada for the Olympic hockey team. No surprise there. And I, I remember back to when they talked about the possibility of this happening. And, of course, as humble as he is, he kind of gave the typical uh, Canadian hockey player answer. It'd be an honor to represent my country. Like, no, man, you're going to be on that team. You're going to be a top line. And you're going to be counted to put up points for Canada if they want to win gold. Just how excited are you to see him finally get the opportunity to represent Canada at the Olympic Games? going to be tremendous. It really is. It's going to be one of the best stories in hockey this year um, is getting a chance to see what McDavid can do on this national team. So you look at the guys that he's going to be surrounded with too. He was named alongside uh, Crosby and Petrangelo, the first three players for the roster. You know, those are the guys that are going to be heavily relied upon to to make that team click, right? You know, of course, we're going to have guys like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and Mitch Marner and, and other you know offensive wizards as well, but you know, everything's going to go through McDavid on this team this year to a certain extent, and they, I think he's going to absolutely tear it up, and it's going to be incredible to watch. When you look at the other Oilers, and obviously uh, Leon Dreisaitl likely plays for his team, Jesse Pugliarvi probably makes a strong push. Uh, anyone else you think that could be representing their respective countries at these games? I, I think Darnell Nurse probably has the best chance of anybody else, um, but even him, it's going to be a bit tough to crack the roster, I think. Look, Darnell Nurse is, is, as we all know, a big, strong defenseman who can move the puck, and he's somebody whose defensive game has come a long way from early in his career. Still a long ways to go, uh, you know, at the NHL level, but I think he's the kind of talent that, that has a definite shot in making that roster. And at the end of the day, it's going to be up to Darnell. If he really wants it, if he wants to make that roster, then he's going to have to come out here in the first four or five months of the regular season and uh, really show everybody that last year wasn't a fluke and that he is a real elite defenseman in the NHL to uh, to get that shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's been done before. Uh, I go back to the 2002 games, Jerome McGinley. I mean, the guy was on fire to start the season, basically played his way onto that roster, and it worked out pretty well. Obviously, the start of an amazing Hall of Fame career for Jerome. But yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. I think Darnell, he's definitely got to be on the, the watch list, and with a strong performance, work his way up there. That would be uh, great to see as well. Now let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers obviously last night. Taking on the Calgary Flames, maybe not the start that they would have wanted uh, coming out, <laughs> giving up three goals to the Flames, but they showed that resilience, fought back, uh, came back to win 4-3. What were some of your takeaways from the win? Uh, just how offensively gifted the Edmonton Oilers are. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, you know, we were sitting there 3 nothing game and it's like, ah, it's the preseason and you know, whatever, this game's probably over. I'm sure a lot of people were, you know, already tuning out of the game or keeping their eye on the football game last night, which was a pretty competitive one. Um, you know, to come to see the Oilers come back, you get goals from Perlini, Pugliarvi twice in Dreisaitl. 
Um, it, it was pretty great to see the way the Oilers were able to just turn it on and take over games. And I think it bodes well for, for them in the regular season. We all know how often to gifted this team is. Um, but to see them overcome a 3 nothing deficit the way that they did um, was pretty impressive, to say the least. Uh, what, when you look on the blue line, and one of the guys obviously very polarizing this offseason, uh, not only what he can do on the ice, but uh, some of the comments he made off the ice is Duncan Keith, the guy who's in it all with the Chicago Blackhawks. Obviously, his play has declined, and I think you and I talked about it in the offseason. The, the trade we, I think, universally agreed probably didn't like what the Oilers gave up to bring him in, but in his debut with the club last night, uh, played, what, 17 minutes, uh, had an assist, was a dash one if you're into that sort of thing, a couple blocks, a couple giveaways, a couple takeaways. What did you make of Duncan Keith in game one with the Oilers? I mean, it's 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 really hard to say, right? It's still so early on here. It's the first game action for the guy in, in quite some time now. Um, you know, I, I can't put a lot of merit into it, obviously, you know, the numbers weren't tremendous in his favor last night, the underlying numbers. Uh, you know, 40% control of the shot share and 39% control of the expected goal share. Those are really bad numbers, no matter how you cut it. So um, you got to hope that it's going to turn around for Keith here once he starts to get some uh, some more games under his belt. And I think it will. I think, you know, there's definitely an element of uh, adjusting to, to a new NHL club. So, you know, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for a little while here. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he's a guy that he really was acquired to be a very good defenseman for him, and he needs to be a very good defenseman for this team if they have aspirations. Um, and, you know, again, like you mentioned, as we talked about in the offseason, I'm just not certain that he's going to be that good of a player for the Edmonton Oilers this year. So um, there's definitely some concerns there um, on the back end right now, but um, we'll see what happens when the regular season gets underway. Yeah, and we, Tom Gazzola and I were talking about it on the pregame show, and, you know, we had our question of the night every show, and he asked me, what do you think about Duncan Keith, and is he going to make this group better? And I, I like, I sat on the fence. I thought, well, maybe. Like, I, I honestly have no idea what he can do. Yet, Like you said, some of the numbers we saw from him last year obviously weren't good, but what situations were they in? Who was he playing with? Is Cody Cece really going to be much of an upgrade? Like, I, I said, we got to wait and see, because I have no idea how to how to look at this guy until, you know, maybe we get 15, 20 games into the regular season, and maybe even then that's not enough. Maybe he's still finding his game and getting used to the new team so yeah he's a really intriguing guy for me going into this season now how about his partner Cody Cece another guy a lot of people in the offseason were kind of unsure about I had a guest on uh, Seth Rohrabaugh covers the Penguins out in Pittsburgh uh, covered Cody Cece and you know he, he said he was a little bit surprised by how well he played last year not amazing but not as bad as he thought it was going to be what do you think about Cody Cece so far uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what you hope for, right? You you hope he can come in and play low event hockey and 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 be as good as the Oilers need him to be here because he's another guy the Oilers have brought in to, to rely upon. Uh, you look at the way the defense was structured la- uh, last night, right? Cody sees he's playing top four minutes in the preseason already for the Oilers. So, it's again, it's another one of those situations of you look at the track record that CC has as an NHL player, and it's uh, not exactly tremendous to say the least. Um, so he's another one of those guys that I'm really concerned about here moving forward. He's Cody CC, right? He's going to have some some moments where he he plays quiet, but he's going to have some pretty glaring, um, pretty bad giveaways and some some boneheaded moves. And I, you know, I guess every NHL player is going to have those too. Um, but for him, it might be a little bit more polarizing, right? So, again, it's kind of a wait-and-see situation, but I've mentioned this before, and for me, the situation that I think is really important to keep an eye on, too, when we look at the long-term build of this club, 
um, is the way that the CC structure or CC contract is structured, right? It's an all-salary deal. It's one that the Oilers would be able to move on from fairly easily if they decide to a couple years down the road. Um, obviously, again, that's a couple years down the road, but you know we don't know what Cody CC is going to be able to do. Um, I don't think he's proved it well enough to have earned the contract that he did from the club. So I definitely have some concerns long-term there about uh, uh, what CC brings. And I guess. The best case scenario for the Edmonton Oilers right now is that Evan Bouchard continues to play well. Uh, he knocks the socks off of, of the coaching staff, and he's the guy in the second pairing alongside Duncan Keith, um, bumping Cody Cece down the lineup. So I think for Cece, that's probably going to be a bit of a better spot for him, playing against some weak competition, uh, playing less minutes, and uh, keep allows him to stay a little bit more fresh for those. Uh, those heavy defensive responsibilities that the Oilers are going to be expecting from him. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Like I think I've said on this podcast, I think by you know November, December, Evan Bouchard could be pushing to get onto that second pairing with Duncan Keith. I, I really hope that Cody Cece fends him off and plays good hockey because I think that's better overall for the team and you know finds a way to stay up there on that second pairing. But I mean, I, I've really liked Evan Bouchard in his game from what we've seen so far. You know, regular season and this year at camp and. and uh, preseason games um when it comes to evan bouchard like from, from what you've seen so far what does he need to improve on his game to make that jump i think for him it's probably going to be his positioning and his defensive play right i mean we've seen what he can do with a puck on his stick he's a very efficient puck mover he's got an incredible shot from the blue line but even in the preseason we've seen, seen a few moments where he's been caught out of position a little bit got caught reaching a little bit missing an assignment here or there that's to be expected. He's a young defenseman, right? He's still cutting his teeth uh, very much so here uh, in the NHL. So, you know, I think for him, the best thing that Evan Bouchard can do is just keep a simple game, um, you know, focus on the defensive zone stuff first. And for him, the offense, it flows naturally, right? So, you know, if he's able to, to dial in a little bit on the back end there, then I think that's really where um, he's going to start to make his money. Now, Zach, I want to go between the pipes here a little bit, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the prospects in the future. But right now, Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen are your guys. Uh, you look at Miko Koskinen last night, uh, faced 29 shots total, allows three goals. Seeing what you saw from him last night, uh, what's your confidence level right now with your backup goaltender for the Oilers? Yeah, I mean, I'm 50-50 on it right now, right? I mean, I think, you know, you look at some of the comments that Koskinen's had here in the last few weeks, he knows he sucked last year. He knows he really struggled. He knows he let in the first goal way too many times last season. Um, and obviously, I think he's a guy that's going to come in here highly motivated this year to prove a lot of people wrong in this city. Um, my expectations for Koskinen, they're fairly high. Uh, truth be told, I think he really needs to be a very good goaltender for this club uh, moving forward because I still have my concerns over Mike Smith and his ability to play at a high level like he did last year. Um, you know, at this point in his career, that's not something that I think is a very safe bet in any sense of the term. So a guy like Koskinen really needs to step up this year, and, and he's going to have to uh, carry some of that workload, to say the least, for this club. Now, how about with Mike Smith? Obviously, uh, left practice yesterday. Uh, any concerns about Mike Smith going forward? And I mean, I don't think we really need to worry about the latest injuries, but just becoming a little bit older, uh, going into the season, playing the full 82 games, not quite as short as it was last year. Just what are your thoughts on Mike Smith and confidence level? Yeah, it's, it's waning, right? It's, it's going to be difficult to see what happens here because, again, he's a 39-year-old goaltender who is coming off arguably one of the best years of his entire NHL career. You know, you can count on one hand the number of goaltenders that have had a season at 38 years old 
like Mike Smith did last year. Um, and if there's one thing we know is that aging curve isn't very nice to older players, especially in net. So, you know, my confidence is, is fairly low in Mike Smith. Do I think he'll be, you know, a solid competitive goaltender? Yeah, I do. Um, I just don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to be able to carry the load throughout the season that uh, the Oilers are really expecting of him. I was on another podcast recently, and I did a friendly wager with a host. Uh, we set an over-under line of uh, 9.13 save percentage for Smith, and I took the under on that. So, you know, he's coming off a 9.23 from last year, so I, I expect there to be some regression in his game this season. And, um, you know, the Oilers offensively are going to have to try and pick up some of that slack. Now, looking at the future goaltending for the Edmonton Oilers, and maybe the future goalie is still out there, not a part of the organization yet, but you've got Stuart Skinner, who uh, started to show some signs down here last year in Bakersfield that he was, you know, trending in the right direction, playing very well. And the team brings over Conavala from the KHL. So you've got a couple guys who, who look like they could be nice prospects, and they'll be fighting for playing time head-to-head with the Condors and, you know, as a fan of the Oilers and the organization, that's a good problem to have. Who do you like there to to come on and maybe take a few more starts away from the the other player uh, when it comes to that goaltending battle down in the AHL? Well, yeah, I think Stuart Skinner has impressed early on in this preseason. He looks very competitive in the games that he's played in. Um, he's kept the Oilers in some games against you know some of the B level uh, opposing teams that we saw. So I was fairly impressed with him. But I'm one of the, the biggest Kanavalov believers out there right now. I think he's going to be an absolute stud for this team in the future. Um, I think he is the future starting goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers. And I think he's going to be that franchise goalie the team has looked for for a very, very, very long time. You know, I keep coming back to the comparables of uh, Igor Shosturkin and um, uh, Ilya Sorokin over in, in the Rangers and Islanders. You know, both of those guys played in the KHL, similar to... Uh, Konovalov and, and another guy in Andre Vasilevsky, right? They came over to North America in their early 20s. They took a little bit of time to percolate uh, for Shesterkin. You know, he spent half a year in Hartford uh, in the American Hockey League, and he basically forced the Rangers to call him up, um, you know, in January of his uh, rookie pro season. He put up like a 935 save percentage in 30 American League games. Like, that's unbelievable. I could very well see this being a situation with Konovalov, too, where you know he comes over, he heads down to Bakersfield, as he's been assigned to right now, and blows the doors off and basically forces the Oilers to be like, hey, you know what, we kind of have to recall this guy. He's playing good enough hockey. So he could be a guy you know, that could be like a trade deadline acquisition uh, in one sense of the term to help give this team a little bit of a, a late-season push. And even if they decide to not rush him, that's not a bad thing at all, but... I think down in the American League, they got to try and go 50-50 split of Skinner and Konovalov, not only for, for giving their, their team the best chance of success, but I think also to allow for both goalies to continue, to, to continue on their development path. Okay, Zach, I'm totally honest with you here. So last night, I'm a Chargers fan, so I was watching that game pretty closely. And uh, mm-hmm. go on social media, notice there's a little bit of debate with about McDavid and Drysaddle playing together. I was heading into the, the station today, and I hear Awanek and Hernan Salas having that discussion. When it comes to McDavid and Drysaddle playing together, especially in the preseason, are you opposed or do you like it? I'm not opposed to it at all. I mean, I think this is a nuclear option for this club, right, is is putting McDavid and Drysdale together. They are the best duo in the entire league. And, you know, Dave Tippett has relied on them to play together in the past and produce, and they have, right? They scored an incredibly high rate when they're on the ice together. I think the thing we need to, or the Oilers rather, need to try and avoid here is trying to play them together a little bit too much. 
you've got to try and split up the depth through your lineup a little bit, and especially with the way um, Dreisaitl's emerged as a driver of play, even away from McDavid, um, that's something the team definitely has to keep an eye on. But you know what? We, they're going to tap into that well a lot this year, and it, I don't think it's going to be a surprise for anybody to see um, you know, them playing significant minutes together because Dave Kipp has done it a lot in the past, and I'd expect him to continue to do so. Now, one of the, the downsides when that would happen is your third fourth second line obviously kind of uh loses a little bit of the star power but this year you've got zach hyman you've got ryan newton hopkins uh maybe it's kyler yamamoto playing with them maybe yes he pull yarvi drops down and it's uh, kyler yamamoto on that top line do you like the backup options when you put that line together yeah i love it i think now more than ever for this club they can put mcdavid and dry together and not be so scared about what happens when they're not on the ice this team has the best forward depth that they've had in maybe 30 years. Um, and I don't think that's an understatement to say whatsoever. Again, you've got two of the best players in the NHL in McDavid and Dreisaitl. You've got a very respectable guy who could be a second-line center in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And on top of that, as you mentioned, you've got guys like Hyman and Fogel, Derek Ryan that's come in this year too, um, that are really going to help this team when McDavid and Dreisaitl are off the ice. So, I'm really interested to see what happens here. And I think, you know, a guy who's quietly been having a really good preseason is Ryan McLeod as well. I think he takes a big step forward this year in his game uh, and is somebody that the Oilers can look to and rely upon um, on the ice. Zach, would you agree, like going into the start of the season, you've got McDavid with Hyman Pugliarvi in your first line, Drysaddle, Yamamoto, Ryan Nugent Hopkins as your second line? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty reasonable to say for sure. So, um, you know, I think Yamamoto. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say. So, who would be your third and fourth line as of right now? Because I mean, Kyle Turris. Obviously, we we heard all the stories how he's working his ass off all offseason to get into shape. Brendan Perlini's looked great out there, putting up points like nobody's business. What would your bottom six look like right now for opening night? Man, I, I honestly have no idea what that bottom <laughs> six is going to look like. Um, I don't think it would be unreasonable to see Ryan McLeod as the third-line center, you know, with a guy like Warren Fogle and Zach Cassian on his wing. Um, you know, and then fourth line, this is really where it gets interesting. I think Derek Ryan's the guy up the middle no matter what. You look at the track record he's had in the NHL over the last number of years um, in his raw stats and his underlying numbers. They've been really, really good uh, in Calgary. So I think he centers the fourth line. And then, yeah, uh, Brendan Berlini, man. Like, it's impressive to see what he's done here, um, especially doing so away from the top talent. So I could see him getting a spot down there, too. And, uh, you know, we all know how uh, um, how much Dave Tippett likes Shorzy down there as well. So I think he's a guy who could slide in on that fourth line for sure, too. Now, I, I would assume you and I are on the same page when it comes to the defense as well. you got Tyson Berry with Darnell Nurse, uh, CeCe and Duncan Keith, like we've talked about, Evan Bouchard on your right side. Do you have a preference on the left side there with Evan Bouchard? I like Slater Cuckoo. Um, I've liked his game for a couple of years now. Um, unfortunately, he's a guy that's uh, struggled to get into the lineup very often um, before joining the Oilers. And when he did in Edmonton, he ended up getting hurt. So I think he's a guy that can take a step here this season as well and, and be a bit of a steady partner on the back end uh, for Evan Bouchard. That's my preference, at least. Um, you know, Chris Russell, I think he'll he'll take some reps in there as well on that third uh, left defense spot. Um, beyond that, I don't know if I have a ton of confidence in any of the other bodies that, that could slide in there right now. I think William Lagason is still a bit of an unknown, and he's had his struggles at the NHL level as well in, in uh, his career. So right now I think I would have to go with Kuku on that third bearing. 
Now, Zach, just a couple more questions for you. Again, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast here today. Uh, two more games left in the preseason, a Thursday and Saturday, taking on the Vancouver Canucks home and home series right there. What do you want to see from this team going into these last two games? Is there anything you got to check off the list before you're a little more confident in the group going forward? Uh, I mean, I think right now I have a pretty high level of confidence in the team already. Um, but, you know, you really want to see him ratchet up to that next level. And I think, you know, Dave Tippett talked about it last week, how he kind of eyeballed Saturday as the the ramp it up sort of a game. And we started to see that happen on Saturday as well as last night, right? Again, you look at the comeback that the Oilers mounted. Yeah, it's preseason, but that's, uh, that's a confidence booster for any club right now. So, you know, I think just playing simple, ratcheting it up a little bit here too um, is kind of the thing that I want to see because, you know, we're, we're two games away. So I imagine uh, these next two games will see very, very close to what will be the uh, opening day lines for the 13th. Now, when you look around the Pacific Division, I think, you know, most of us would agree the Oilers and Golden Knights, probably the two teams battling for that top spot. But uh, is there any other team in the Pacific you're interested to see what they can do? One team I'm really interested to see what they do is the LA Kings. I think they've had a pretty strong offseason here. Uh, they've made some pretty strong uh, acquisitions. They brought in some guys like Victor Arvidsson and Philip Deneau to help out up front. I think they're a team that takes a step forward. Is it enough of a step forward to get them into the playoffs? I guess we'll see what happens. But I think in the Pacific especially, those first two spots are locked up. And that third one completely up for grabs. Um, I don't know if Calgary's strong enough of a club uh, to be able to get there. And of course, Seattle, well, we don't really know what Seattle looks like right now at all. So uh, they could be a wild card club to slide in there as well. Zach, uh, what's coming up this year with the Oilers Nation and DFO? I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure with hockey season getting going, there's some new things uh, on the way. What can we expect? Yeah, tons of content everywhere. Um, we've really ratcheted it up at Oilers Nation, uh, especially in the podcast world and, and the writing world here recently. So, you know, all the usual content, we'll have our live streams, our podcasts, and Daily Faceoff, that's where we're really excited to see what happens this year. Uh, we've brought over Frank Saravalli, uh, formerly of TSN. He's been an amazing addition to the team. Uh, so the sky's the limit. We're really excited to uh, to produce content and for everybody to come read it. Yeah, and I think the, the latest on the DFO rundown, Gregor Saravalli and uh, Scotty Burnside. That's a, that's, a, that's a dream team when it comes to a podcast conversation right there. Yeah, it's a pretty, it was a pretty great lineup. So, uh, and and they've been able to bring in some other pretty incredible guests as well. So, uh, we're really excited to see how uh, how how it continues to grow. Well, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Great insight today, talking about those Oilers, and uh, we'll have to get you on once the regular season gets going again. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Zach Lang of Oilers Nation and DFO Hockey. Give him a follow on Twitter at ZJ Lang. I highly recommend you do so. And with Oilers season getting going, Oilers Nation, DFO, both are going to crush it. Check them out for sure. Hockey is back and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deflection. However... They light up the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available yet in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game 
and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal this week. One puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Now back to the show. Really looking forward to our next guest here, of course. We're coming up to the one-year anniversary of the unfortunate passing of Joey Moss, uh, just someone who was really a staple in our city for his roles with not only the Oilers and the Eskimos, but the local sports scene. Did a lot of good in our city, of course. The story, you know, Wayne Gretzky dating his older sister, getting him a job with the team, kind of as an equipment manager and locker room attendant. He'd go on to do that job with the football team as well. Just someone who was beloved in our town. And uh, just about a year ago, he passed away. And, you know, for me personally, I don't think I knew the impact that he had on this city. Usually when I reach out to find guests to talk on our show on TSN 1260, I produce the Jason Greger show. I'll reach out to people in there. You know, sometimes they'll be willing to hop on. Sometimes there's a little hesitation. They might be busy. When I was finding guests to talk about Joey Moss, nobody declined. Everybody was more than willing because they wanted to share stories and memories about Joey Moss and just how special he was. When he passed away, we knew the tributes were coming. I know on the Jason Greger show, we started to play La Bamba, one of his favorite songs after every Oilers victory. There was many tributes around the city. And the Edmonton Oilers last week unveiled a statue in their dressing room of Joey Moss high-fiving. It's absolutely awesome. You can check it out on Twitter. It's very easy to find. Ryan Carrillo, a local artist and sculptor, created that. And he's joining me now on the show to talk about how it all happened. Check out his website, ryancarrillo.com. That's R-Y-A-N-K-U-R-Y-L-O.com. Ryan, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, really appreciate it. And you did such a great job with the Joey Moss statue, obviously, uh, unveiled last week. It's in the Oilers dressing room. Just a classic Joey Moss pose, throwing up the high five. And really wanted to have you on because uh, we are getting close to the one-year anniversary of his unfortunate passing, a guy who was just really, you know, an icon in the city. And I, I tell people that for my job, I, I produce a sports radio show. And when I reach out to people... Uh, to get them on the show. Sometimes there is hesitancy. Sometimes it's just a straight up no. But when it came to booking guests to discuss Joey Moss, everybody said yes. Everybody wanted to come on and share their stories. He's just such a beloved uh, human and, and was loved in our town and in the hockey world. So really wanted to get you on today and talk about the statue that you did for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, maybe just before we get into that, uh, how did how did your career in designing statues and models begin? Oh, well, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Thanks again for having me on the show. Um, thank you so much for your, uh, comments on the statue. It was, uh, is a very, uh, delicate and special project for me to take on. Um, how did I get into this business? I was inspired by the public monuments that I saw in my life all around town, these bronze monuments. How did they come about? Where did they come from? Uh, as you travel around the world in the olden days, you'd see them in every city, uh, important people, important places uh, being recognized. And I was really inspired to kind of take that on. So I started uh, after career in uh, graphic design. I moved to 3D animation. And then in my 40s, I said, I want to start making sculptures. And I made a big leap of faith. And, you know, partially inspired by the Wayne Gretzky in our own city that's been there since I was a kid, uh, really to make some public art for people to see. I was really inspired for it to be, um, you know, not behind closed doors in museums, 
and reserved for the elites to understand. I wanted to do very, in a way, very basic artwork, which is likenesses of people, which you don't need to be a uh, an art enthusiast to understand what it means and to appreciate it. Um, so that was my focus. Yeah, and I'm just looking at your website right now, RyanCurlo.com, and you've got some some great work up there and, and some really cool pictures, obviously, with Kevin Lowe and uh, Ron McLean here at a Humboldt fundraiser in St. Albert. So obviously, uh, you do great work, and uh, the Joey Moss statue, no different. So how did that come to be? I mean, who reached out to you asking if you'd be interested in the project? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Um, I, I have been working in Edmonton doing... Um, you know, but pre-COVID, there was a lot of charity work that I was involved with, um, gala nights, including the hum- Humble Gala. Uh, it was a great evening. I got to meet some stars and um, take some great pictures and contribute. And so, yeah, I started kind of planting the seeds for me being a part of Edmonton's uh, public hockey legacy a few years ago and um, have sort of been... You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing these days. You got to have your hustle on, and so it's the same. Artists definitely feel that. So we're all hustling, and, and I definitely had my hustle on to have my name kind of in and around the Oilers. Uh, if there was a something I could donate or contribute to on a on a charity event, and I knew that there would be someone, uh, you know, for instance, Kevin Lowe involved. That's how I got to meet him and kind of start our relationship. And so then when it came time for something to be done for Joey, my name was already sort of in the hat. So it's sort of where, how do you, um, what's the saying? The meeting of uh, opportunity is the meeting of preparation and luck, (laughs) we'll say. Yeah. So when they came to you, I mean, was it kind of a, a thing where, hey, you're the artist, you can do what you want to do here, or did they come to you with a, a pose in mind and, and what they wanted to be done. They didn't have exactly a pose in mind. And um, so that was something that we immediately started to open discussion in. And more than the pose, I mean, it was very, it was a very interesting project in that Joey Moss kind of grew up in that environment. So when I started looking at pictures, reference photos, unfortunately I never got to meet Joey in real, in actual life. So but it was very easy to research him. He's been endlessly photographed and, and video footage of him and everything. But he, but there's such a wide range of he was a young man, he was a, uh, a middle-aged man, and a, and an older man even in, in the Oilers' environment. So to settle on not just a pose, but also a era of when we wanted to represent Joey, um, that was a very delicate one because it's such a big organization a lot of people um, within the organization loved Joey, never mind the city at large. So uh, there was a lot of pressure on this one. It was very delicate. So everyone had their um, had their kind of say. And what I do as an artist is try to provide as detailed a dossier I can before we even start working in clay. So I had drawings. We had several drawings. And uh, it was almost immediately after Joey passed that I was contacted when we started producing drawings immediately. This might be a dumb question, and it might just be my ignorance, but how does it all start? Like, you, you mentioned the clay there. Is it just a big block of clay, and you just kind of whittle it down? Is, is that how it goes? 
In a sense, yes. Uh, oh I have a, a big, we'll, say, we'll call it a pile of clay, and instead of whittling it away, I take chunks of it and add it to itself to create the sculpture. So I'll start with uh, what's called an armature, a wire armature. So it's a, a piece of wood with a pipe screwed to it, very basic, very primitive, but just some kind of skeletal support for me to build my clay upon. And then I'll put some bendable wire in there so that I can form sort of a arm bones and have some poseability right up until the end. So it's not a rigid uh, skeleton. It's actually a movable skeleton because if I need to move that hand just a little bit or maybe the neck just needs to be posed just ever so slightly, we can do that all the way up until the last second. Ryan, I'm, I'm cast in bronze. <laughs> I'm learning about this. I'm learning. I, I am glad <laughs> you hopped on to, to share these stories with me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Really do appreciate it. Just a couple more for you before we let you go here. And I mean, you know kind of the legend of Joey Moss and how much he means to this city. Were you nervous going into this? Oh, boy, was I ever. I mean, it's every everybody. In, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hometown boy. I was born in Edmonton. I grew up here. I remain here for my career. So... There was a lot of pressure on this one. Everybody in the city knows of Joey, whether they got to meet him or not. Everyone knows who Joey is. Everyone has a sense of what he looks like uh, in their own mind. And everyone's a critic. Once it's out there and once it's public, everyone is free to make a, to make a judgment call on whether they like it, whether they uh, love it. And so I definitely felt the pressure. And what I did to kind of overcome that was... I really took my cues from the Oilers themselves and say, look, this is what champions do is they overcome and they push beyond their uh, insecurities. And when they feel like they're at their lowest, that's when they get back on the ice and practice. So the discipline and the dedication of the Oilers themselves really went into this piece. At, at what point do you know that you're done? Like, I, I just imagine you're kind of continuing to just make those fi finishing little touches, just the, the small subtleties that maybe only you would notice. Is there a point where you have to stand back and just say, well, I think it's good now? There is a point. There is a point when you have to step back and it's done. And we worked this one right up until the last second. It was installed on a Sunday and unveiled on a Tuesday. So we worked right up until the last second. Uh, to put every ounce of significance and uh, likeness into this project. Well, I just got to say, Ryan, I really appreciate you doing this today and, and taking us behind the scenes of the fantastic Joy Moss tribute statue that you created. I threw it out there on Facebook, on uh, the Jason Greger Show Facebook page, and it was one of our most shared posts. Everyone loved it. I didn't see any critiques, which is really rare because Facebook can be accessible for that sort of thing. So really appreciate you doing this. It looks awesome and uh, just a great way to c commemorate a legend in our town for years to come and for future hockey players. Thanks again for doing this. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and we're going to have a great season here. Ryan, I, I really hope you're right. Appreciate you doing this. That is Ryan Carrillo, sculptor. He created the Joey Moss tribute statue in the Oilers dressing room. Like I said, check out his website, Ryan. Like I said, check out his website, ryancarillo.com. That's R-Y-A-N-K-U-R-Y-L-O.com. He's got some really cool stuff there, and uh, you can check out pictures of the Joey Moss tribute. Also, 
And that is going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast and Network. Of course, the Oilers coming off a big 4-3 victory over the Calgary Flames. They're next in action Thursday night hosting the Vancouver Canucks. Puck drop at 7 o'clock if you need some pregame coverage. TSN 1260, Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered starting at 6 o'clock. And then the team's meeting again in Vancouver on Saturday, another 6 o'clock pregame show on TSN 1260, 7 o'clock puck drop. Both those games will be on TV, so you don't have to stream them. I know we're all looking forward to that. Just makes it a little bit simpler. It's first world problems, but it is just a little bit simpler. That's it for this edition. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Sign up with DraftKings. Use promo code THPN, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.